Good morning, everybody. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Hey, I want to start. I knew there was going to be a lot of people that are sick and are not able to be here. I got some on the beach. I got some in their beds. I got someone traveling. But we're going to have church today. And I thought there is an old song that I love and it's kind of get up and go. So if you'll forgive me, but this is the way I feel this morning, okay? Go ahead and play. Huh? Let's have church. Let's forget about ourselves and put Jesus first. Let's clap our hands and testify about his body works. Crank up the music. Let's have church. Well, David said to clap our hands and shout with a loud voice. Every time we come to church, we have to make a choice. We can sit there in our seat, or we can act like we're asleep, or we can stand and praise the King of Kings. Well, crank up the music, let's have church. Let's forget about ourselves and put Jesus first, yeah. Let's clap our hands and testify about his mighty works. Crank up the music, let's have church. Well, in those old camp meeting days when I was just a child, the music would start playing, we'd step out in the aisle. We'd drink that living water until it quenched our thirst. Crank up the music, let's have church. Well, crank up the music, let's have church. Let's forget about ourselves and put Jesus first. Let's clap our hands and testify about his mighty works. Crank up the music, let's have church. Listen, I'm tired of hearing people scream at a football game. And they come to church and they act real quiet. Well, I just praise his name. Well, if you feel the way I do, why don't you get right up and let the spirit move you from your head down to your feet. Crank up the music. Let's have church. Let's forget about ourselves and put Jesus first. Let's clap our hands, testify about his mighty works. Crank up the music. Let's have church. Well, crank up the music. Let's have church. Let's forget about ourselves and put Jesus first. Let's clap our hands, testify about his mighty works. Well, crank up the music. Let's have church. Let's clap our hands and testify about his mighty works. Crank up the music. Let's have church. 
for you. <laughs> it is good to see you here this morning. Just a couple of announcements that I want to uh, pass on down to you that you would remember. Uh, our giving box, if you brought your tithes and offerings, is back in the, on the back wall. And we appreciate your giving because that sustains our different ministries and the different activities that we do here at uh, Cypress Street. Please remember us, not only in your giving, but also in your prayers. Also, this Wednesday night is uh, our missionaries uh, to Turkey. Uh, Ron and Jean Cudi are going to be sharing on our Wednesday night service, and it's going to be in the uh, fellowship hall. And uh, the youth are going to be joining with us on Wednesday night. And we want, our, we want everyone to understand of what we do when we take offerings and we give to our missionaries. Uh, you know, they are really responsible to come back and share with us what they're doing with our monies, don't you think? That's the accountable thing to do. And so they're going to be here Wednesday night at 6.30 and uh, going to be sharing. And we appreciate their ministry so much and their willingness to come and share. Next Sunday is not only Sunday morning service, but as I told Gene Ward yesterday in the hospital, I said, Gene, you're missing tomorrow morning. I said, I expect you to be at church tomorrow night. And he looked at me like, are you going to be there? And I said, no. <laughs> but next Sunday night, six, next Sunday afternoon at four o'clock is going to be my official installation as your pastor here. Now, I've been here for almost six months now. I feel like somebody said I would already pass probation. So... Uh, that is, we're going to have some uh, guests, uh, ministers from the area and from other churches that are going to be here. There will be right, uh, uh, light refreshments afterwards in the fellowship hall. And uh, there is actually an announcement, I think, uh, back there and uh, to remind you. Now, take it home and put it on the refrigerator so you can remember because it's out of the ordinary. And it says, installation service for Pastor Dan Masters, 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock was so some other pastors could get here traveling uh, from the various churches. So, yes, pass those things out, and uh, we're going to continue. I think that's all the announcements. Are you going to say anything about Operation Christmas Child? Yeah. She's not going to say anything. I got her muted for today. Isn't that good? Hey, we had some people missing today, so I'm going to attempt to help lead in our worship service this morning. I hope that you will join me in cranking up the music and having church this morning. Would you do that? There's an old hymn of the church that talks about the beauty of the church. It's called The Church's One Foundation. And we're going to, I would like for us to stand and join in singing this old hymn of the church. Would you stand? First, third, and last verses. Here we go. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her and for 
Amid toil and tribulation and to light of her war, she waits the consummation of peace forevermore. Till with the vision glorious her longing eyes are blessed and the great church victorious shall be the church and rest yet she on earth hath union with god the three in one and mystic sweet communion with those whose rest is one oh happy ones and that we like them the meek and lowly on earth may dwell with thee you may be seated good morning good morning I'm not going to sing this morning either <laughs> Good to see each of you here this morning. On the scripture reading today is Matthew 16, 38 through 47. Thirteen through nineteen. I got it wrong. It's the right scripture, but wrong taste. <laughs> I'm just reading the note that he gave me. <laughs> I'll take the blame. Anyway, it says Matthew 16 through 19 yes. on your program. Anyway, when Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? And they replied, some thinks he's John the Baptist. Some says Elijah, some Jeremiah, and one of the other prophets. He pressed them, and how about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus came back, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of the books or from teachers, my Father in heaven, God Himself let you in on the secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. You're Peter, a rock. This is a rock of which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth. Earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. God bless His Word.
And I'm glad to have Brother James back. He's missing and the Lord's touching his body. He's still in the process, but he's getting there. Amen. Thank you, James. We're going to uh, sing it, uh, the solid rock. The church is built on a solid rock. Some, everything is changing in our world today, but God does not change. Let's sing together. Would you stand as we sing? is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ a solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. His oath is covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ a solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, fall last to stand before the throne. On Christ a solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Sing that chorus one more time. On Christ a solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. And the church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I do not believe we are having children's church today. Is that right? Okay. And so we're going to invite our pre-K and fifth grade to stay right here and enjoy my sermon this morning. Aren't you excited about that? James, Brother James. Pastor told me I can move around and get up and down this morning. So. <laughs> He said, you're back and you're ready to go. <laughs> so anyway, I am thankful to be back. I'm thankful I've missed y'all. I appreciate the uh, phone calls and the cards. And uh, uh, I even got some food for some food while I was sick. So that was, uh, and I appreciate my wife. She's been so good to me. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not used to being sick. I'm not... Uh, but God's got control of everything, so I just give Him the praise that I'm able to be back this morning. So thank Him for that. We do have some prayer requests this morning. Just remember Gene Ward and Donna. Gene's been in the hospital some this week, so we just pray that uh, for Gene and, uh, and Donna during this time. Our youth will be traveling back from a little short trip this uh, past week weekend so just remember each of them charlotte uh and bryce uh, they were gone with them this week uh, for a few days 
and they had some chauffeurs that went with them. I think we had, did we have eight, eight teens? Seven. Eight, seven or eight teens that went. So anyway, Charlotte and them, they'll be traveling back today. And so just remember Marlon, Charlotte goes out of town, Marlon gets sick, figure that out. Just to remember, pray for him. Uh, Carvin and Sandy, they're on the mission trip this week, and uh, we enjoyed that. We were able to go last year, but we just felt like it, it wasn't a good timing for us to go this time, so we were really blessed with that trip. And so just remember them. They'll be coming back, I believe, this week. So pray for them. And uh, pray for, just remember Betty Green. She's got some health problems. She's got stuff. She's not able to be with us this morning, so just remember uh, Betty. You're messing me up. Pat. Well, good to have you back, Miss Shirley. We're glad you're here. And Pat and Bobby H. Miss Pat, she's still having some uh, AFib problems. We just ask that you just uh, continue to pray for them. Pray for our teachers as they got back in school and sort of getting everything sort of settled down. So, Brooke, you're learning a little bit this year, aren't you? So. But good to have each of you here this morning. And uh, you want me to go ahead and pray? or? Uh, you can, and then we'll go, we'll go ahead and sing the last song. That'll be okay. Yeah. You, are there any more prayer requests? That... Uh, I can't think of any. Not that I'm aware of. Okay. But it is good to have each of you back this morning. And I just thank God for touching me and making me able to, to be back out and, and be out going again this morning. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day you've given us. Thank you for for this beautiful week that you've given us, Lord, and the opportunity to come back out to your house to worship today. Thank you for each one here, Lord, and we just ask that you be with her. each one of us, be in their service, Lord, and that we lift you up. And everything good comes from you, and we just thank you for the blessings. We ask that you be with our pastor as he brings a message this morning. Be with the ones that's traveling. Just keep them safe returning, Lord. And we just thank you again for the love that you have for each of us and our families. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Hey, I want to, uh, to say before we sing this next uh, song, um, how much I appreciate our musicians. When some of them can't be here and they're sick, and we sure do miss them a lot. And I, uh, you men, I tell you what, I, L M, I'm going to have him sing a solo one of these days. And Kim's going to sing a solo too. <laughs> Don't come. <laughs> <laughs> solo means by myself. Uh, nobody here. Uh, and then Ron over there, he just he just comes with natural. And I appreciate their their backup and 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 you know that's. Uh, it adds energy to our worship this morning. And then, what can I say about our, our musicians, uh, Vicki and Priscilla 
And we have so many talented musicians in our church and they add so much. And I've been in churches before that we haven't had, we've just barely had a piano player and that was sometimes not good. So, and that's why I appreciate them so much. And uh, so, hey, we're gonna stand, yeah, yeah. And we are going to stand and we're going to sing an old Church of God hymn called I'm Going On. Anybody going on? Amen. And let's stand and let's sing this morning. And then we're going to go into God Will Make a Way. Shall we sing? I mean to go right on until the crown is won. I mean to go right on until the crown is won. I mean to fight the fight of faith till life on earth is done. No matter, never be bad, defeat I shall not know. For God will give me victory if onward I shall go. I'm going on, I'm going on until the final triumph. I'm going on, I'm going on, I'm going. Opposition come, no. Should foes obstruct your way? Should persecution's fires be lit? With Jesus by my side, that's a testimony, his peace within my soul, no matter if the battle's hot. I mean to win the goal. Saying that with conviction this morning. Should opposition come, should foes obstruct my way, should persecution's fires be lit as in the ancient day, with Jesus by my side, his peace within my soul, no matter if the battle's hot, I mean to win the goal. I'm going on, I'm going on. of evil flee and heaven's open gates invite me now to hasten where eternal glory here ya I'm going on I'm going on until the final triumph I'm going on I'm going on I'm going on, I'm going on until the final triumph I'm going on
He will be my guide. Hold me closely to His side. With love and strength for each new day, He will make a sing that one more time. If we're going on, know that God's going to make a way. Amen? Amen. Let's sing that one more time. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways I cannot see. He will make a love and strength for each new day he will make a God is good. And, and all the time, God is good. Now, I just wanted to let you know that I'm not planning on leading the music every Sunday. And I told them, I'm substituting. So when the substitutes get back, they're on their own. <laughs> but I, I, I enjoy music. I love music. Because music, it's like the drumbeat to your life. And you, we all march to a drumbeat. And, uh, you know, sometimes our drumbeat is kind of depressed and sad and lonely. And sometimes our mood is upbeat and excitement, enthusiasm. And uh, music is a good way to express that. I do want to, I forgot to say something about this earlier in the announcements uh, that uh, we are uh, planning on having a baptismal service 
in our church. In the next few weeks, I'm not sure, definite. A lot of it depends on uh, if there's anyone else that needs someone that's spoken to me. And if you've not been baptized since you became a Christian, this is one of the first things that a disciple of Christ does is to be obedient and be baptized. You know, Jesus, as he ascended into heaven, or, or as he uh, uh, yeah, ascended into heaven, he said, he said, go into all the world and teach Teach them to observe the things I've told you. Uh, and baptism is one of them. And baptism is a symbolic gesture of something that's taking place in the heart. And I would just say if you uh, feel the need in your spiritual journey of baptism, I would be glad to include you as we plan for this in the next, next few weeks. Now, I know some of you are scared of this sermon topic this morning. My secretary was scared. She said, what? <laughs> and I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. This is a story of how the church began. Someone was talking to me this morning about the church this morning. I said, you know, I'm going to be talking quite a bit about that this morning. This is the story of where it all began as far as the church began. Why do we have all these churches around the world? Why do we have some little communities, churches on every corner? Why is it so important? This scripture this morning tells us Starting with verse 38 of chapter 2. What did I say? 41? I'm starting with 38. And Peter said to them, listen to this. This is the sermon after the Holy Spirit fell upon the church on the day of Pentecost. Peter starts to preach. Repent, he says. And let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. As many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. And with many other words he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received his word were baptized. See where I get that in there? Baptists, we had baptism on service. Be baptized, that was, that was a great observance there. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. He continues, the writer of Acts says, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and their possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness 
and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Want to talk this morning, share some ideas on the hot wife. Now, have any of you ever heard that terminology before? I thought not. The word in our culture of something that is very attractive, such as a, 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 a new automobile that is equipped, got big engines and it's all decked out on the outside, paint jobs, racing stripes down and can really make noise. They say that is a hot automobile. It's something that brings excitement, energy, something that's appealing such as dynamite, bright, and even that which can be seductive. It's called in our society hot. A young man sees a young female that he sees as glamorous, sexy, full of energy, mischievous appearance. Well, that young man would say that young lady was perhaps hot. Now, where do I get a crazy theme such as this? It comes from some of my pastoring experience. For when I uh, arrived shortly in one of my congregations in Indiana to pursue pastoring, we entered this, the little town and soon discovered that there was only one main radio station in town. If you wanted to hear the local news, the high school football and basketball games, the school closings up there, we always listen for those because of the snow. I know y'all don't have that problem here. Music with a local flavor. You would listen to this, 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 this station was 100.3 and its call letters were W-I-F-E. It was an AM station, by the way. And there was this sign hanging on a billboard welcoming the new pastor and the pastor's family as we entered that little community. Welcome to the hot wife country. So I'm not going to be too out of the way this morning because I want to talk about the hot church this morning. That billboard has never left my memory. And, but there's a special analogy in all of this. For a church, we have one heavenly father and we have one spiritual mother. And as Christ is head of the church, the church is the bride of Christ. That makes the church the wife of Christ as recorded in the book of Revelation. Now it's hard to understand these, this terminology for our understanding about the church 
But Revelation 19 describes the marriage of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, to the bride, the church. She is described, the bride is described as spotless, appealing, energetic, beautiful, fit and glamorous in scripture. And that doesn't defer much from my definition of what hot means. If the world could truly see the church in her beauty and the church, God's church, is beautiful. Just as that young man will take that young woman to be, to, to, to be his, uh, his bride and as she comes down the aisle and she sees her in all her, her beauty in that big fancy gown and, 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 and her father or, or, or so would bring her down to the aisle to be received by the bridegroom. What a beautiful sight. I've seen and participated in weddings like this where people in the audience are all sniffling and crying and they're reaching for a handkerchief. Oh, it's just so beautiful. Not because of their sadness, but because of their beauty. Oh, church, let us have that same emotion towards the beauty of God's church today. I tell you many times, church, that you at Cypress Creek, Cypress Creek, Cypress Street are a beautiful people. You're beautiful people because you are God's people. And God's people are beautiful. Now, I would... Give this disclaimer that sometimes we don't look very beautiful. <laughs> but because of God's spirit that dwells within you, the beauty comes out. God's church is hot this morning. And as we look at this scripture this morning, we find what makes the church, God's people, so attractive? And as I've read this account in Acts chapter 2, I find that the church's four major objectives are hidden in the big picture of this scripture. It's helpful to understand that this is the earliest moment of church history on record. Here in Acts chapter 2. It is the passage of primary reference since the birthplace of the church is set forth in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit has come upon those in the upper room in the first few verses of chapter 2. The once frightened and timid men were now bold and declared the words of life to a people in the streets of Jerusalem. And following that, Peter stood and he spoke in a, God, in a message, in a sermon that was so potent, resulting in the salvation of about 3,000 people. That's pretty good, isn't it? You better call him for your pastor. That is the big picture background to the words that we're looking at this morning. We have thousands of new believers who have no church building in which to meet. They have no pastor. They didn't know what a pastor was. 
They had no sense of direction as to what direction the church should go. No knowledge of Christian life. No church constitution. God help them. No set of creeds. No understanding of the Spirit's presence or power. They didn't even have a Bible. They had nothing. Yet, this group of people formed the first charter membership of the first church of God. From this original body of 3,000 souls, the flame of the Holy Spirit spread around the world. And from this original account of their activities and involvements, we're able to glean the earliest, purest set of objectives that the church took upon themselves that they could be recognized. And here is what it is, the W period. They were known for their worship. Did you get just a little excited, a little bit about worshiping the Lord this morning? Just maybe a little bit? Did you enjoy singing this morning? Did you enjoy just coming into this place knowing God is here? God's church is always known for its worship. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. When Luke writes that they were continually devoting themselves, he uses a term that suggests a steadfast, single-minded fidelity. This is the same word that appears in Acts chapter four, 1 verse 14. When the early saints met, there was an intensity. There was a full-hearted devotion that was blended with, with passionate worship. Now, in this early church, was everybody this way? Was everybody excited? I'm sure they were not. Peter even re, 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 uh, re, writes down about the time that Paul was preaching and somebody fell asleep and they fell out the window. Now, I've made sure that the windows are sealed here, that nobody can do that. Some of you may fall down in the pew. But what happened with this early church is they participated together in their worship. It mentions their breaking bread and praying together. And the immediate result was that everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And my desire is for us at Cypress Street is to feel a sense of awe of God's presence. God is in this place. Do y'all believe that? I hope that I bring you out of your cocoon sometimes. I've been told by others that have preached there Boy, that's a, that's a hard crowd. They don't, they don't respond. And I said, I'll change that. <laughs> there came upon this group of people a holy fear. There was a breathtaking awareness of God's holy presence. A healthy respect for a fear of God that pervaded them. The scene, as we see this picture of the early church, is one of spontaneous joy. 
in unrestrained responses of praise to God. The sun was lifted up in their worship and the spirit came down and brought fresh expression of freedom in their midst. You know, scripture says that the Lord our God still seeks our worship today. He still awaits the praises of his people, the wondrous worship of his children. He longs to inhabit the houses of worship that we come to. Do you know worship is becoming a lost art? It's a missing jewel in our hurried and efficient society. Listen, in most churches, there are programs and activities, but so little worship. There are songs and anthems and musicals, but so little worship. There are announcements and readings and even prayers, but so little worship. The meetings are regular, but they're dull and predictable. God help me. I fight that every Sunday. I do not want to see and experience a dull, a dull and empty worship. The events are held on time. Led by well-meaning people, supported by folks who are faithful and dedicated. But that tiptoe expectancy and awe-inspiring delight, mixed with a mysterious sense of the fear of the Almighty God, seems to be missing in so many places of worship today. I want you to know that once you've tasted of real worship... The kind of worship that captures your hearts and rivets your full attention on the living Lord, nothing else will satisfy. You know, that's why we have many people that are dissatisfied with their congregations today. It's because they've once experienced the joy of the Lord in awesome worship. And through the years, we've kind of let it fade away and become the usual. Once you've tasted of true worship, you'll never want to play again. The secondly is the I. The, the W was what? Somebody tell me. Worship. worship. The I, you won't imagine what it is. It is instruction. Verse 42. While compiling our list of inspired objectives of the congregation, we dare not overlook the backbone of the body. Biblical instruction. The Acts 2 account assures us that as the early Christians, they were continually, not just once in a while, but they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They came to be known in Jerusalem as those who had believed. When a congregation is adequately instructed from God's word, brothers and sisters, I try that every time that I step in this pulpit, it is an awesome and a scary thing because I have been challenged by God to speak what the people of God need to hear. And I try to instruct you. I told somebody that I love the word of God, 
The word of God is powerful and it is mighty. And it is the truth which I hold my life to. It is my solid rock. And to be instructed in the word of God gives me strength and allows me to live in the strength of Almighty God. When a congregation is adequately instructed from God's word, petty concerns, pressing needs, complaints within the assembly, they seem to decrease. When the body is nourished properly by God's word, the body is able to build up an immune system to spiritual disease that is flourishing in our society today. It is hard to define who the church is today. It is hard to define our doctrine, what we believe as Christians. It's hard to define because everybody's got an opinion and everybody's entitled to have their opinion heard. And it doesn't matter what you believe, just so you believe something. It's what the world says. But it's through instruction that we build up an immune system, a spiritual immune system to spiritual disease, to cults, to darkness, to sin, to apathy. Because the word of God is this, what Paul says to Timothy, the word of God is active and alive. Do y'all believe that? I challenge you today, is the word of God active and alive in your life this morning? Instruction gives us stability in our faith. It stabilizes us in times of testing. It enables us to handle the Bible correctly. It equips us to detect and confront error. It makes us confident in our walk with Jesus. And yes, it calms our fears and cancels our superstitions. Oh, how we need to be instructed in the word of God. Help me be faithful in instructing you as your pastor. The F, the W was what? The I was what? And the F is, you'll never guess, it's called fellowship. That's one of the good things about the church. People like fellowship. We like to eat, don't we? We call it a fellowship hall where we eat. And we can fellowship around the table as we eat. And we tell each other about our families and what our week's been like and what the future looks like ahead. In this Acts 2 segment that I read, the church is to be a place of fellowship. Some calls it a caring flock. Now, as I was writing this, I was thinking about the flock notes that we get from whoever sends that out. Is that, is that you, Karen? Karen, are you awake? Don't fall out the window. I think Karen's the one that's, that sends out the flock notes. It keeps us in the knowledge of who has needs and what's taking place. It's, it's so good. But the church was never met 
to be merely a set of buildings where you come, sit, worship, learn, and leave. For the church is a community of believers who demonstrate genuine concern for each other. The early church had a closeness of fellowship rarely found in churches today. They were continually devoting themselves to the fellowship. Not just teaching. Not just the Lord's Supper. Not just in prayer. But also fellowship. When the word fellowship is used in the New Testament, it always has a togetherness in mind. Sharing something together or sharing something together. The early Christians had things in common with one another. They were together. I'm glad that we have this time at 10 o'clock every Sunday to come and be together because it makes us stronger in our daily walk. F stands for what? And we go to the E. Expression. Expression, verse 47. The body of Christ, the church and its beauty, as part of its objective, is it is a reaching out body. The church is a body that does not keep its hands to itself. Now don't take that literally. Take that spiritually. You know, sometimes people, the church has become through the years a busybody club. Putting our nose in other people's business where we don't need to have it. That's not what the church is about. The church is expressing deep concern. The church was never limited to a church gathering. In fact, the expression of the church is that it should be reaching out. After being instructed, we are called to depart to serve. We enter to be instructed, but we depart to serve. And that's what our call is. It's not a Sunday morning deal. It's not a Wednesday night deal. It's not a special activities deal. The church is called to express itself outside the doors of the congregation. The church scattered is helping and affirming, encouraging, and the word that we don't have it used in a while, evangelizing. Evangelizing. Heard that word in a while? Evangelizing. When I was going to Gulf Coast Bible College, every school has a motto. And they have a, what do they call them? Mascot. Gulf Coast Bible College, we had a mascot. And it wasn't an elephant. And it wasn't a buffalo. It wasn't a chief. It wasn't a parrot. Yes, our mascot was the emblem of an evangel. An evangel. And it had a servant of the Lord with a sword going right through the word of God. That motto, that mascot meant a lot for we still carry it 70 years later. 
You see, the church is called to be evangels. Now, what does that mean, an evangel? An evangel is one who is sent forward with good news. One who is sent forward with good news. I challenge you to find a place in the New Testament where the church came to together strictly for the purpose of evangelism. People did not come to church to win the lost. They assembled to worship and be instructed and find close fellowship. And then they spread out to evangelize. As soon as the meetings were over, they thought about the lost. They got in touch with some that were lost. They made connections and they won them, won them to the Savior. Has that call changed any in 2,000 years? I don't think it has. Once converted, the new believers were brought to the place where they could be instructed, where they could worship, and where they could find genuine compassion and true fellowship. And the church is essentially the place where saints come together to be fed the meat of the word and to be impressed with the need to share the gospel and its outreaching message. I want to tell you, church, if we're just meeting to have a good time of worship, a good time to study, it's a good time to get together in fellowship. We're missing, we're missing the task and our purpose. We, we are not a community club. We are an expression, an evangelistic tool to spread good news all around us and to win others to Jesus Christ that they may see Jesus in us. Evangelism was always initiated by the Christian. We were connected to real life experiences and we saw the church rely on their faith in every area of our life. But I want to tell you what, something that's got a bad name for the church is that sometimes we forced our experience on others. I want you to know that your relationship with God is a very spiritual relationship and it is very personal. Did you know that your relationship with God, nobody else has one just like you? We all have our stories about what took place at different places in our, you know, in our spiritual experiences. But nobody's got an experience like you. There's others that would like to hear your experience with God. They want to know if it's real, if it's satisfying. We never force or try to manipulate people in to accepting Christ. Now I tell you this, I'm not always proud of this fact. When I was going to Gulf Coast Bible College, we had a class called Personal Evangelism. And, you know, first of we were taught how to share our faith. But one of the things that they, they shared with us that we should uh, practice to, to uh, give away our faith is they gave us a little book called the Four Spiritual Laws. Anybody here heard of that? You probably don't have to memorize Four Spiritual Laws. 
spiritual laws. And we would have, we would have to memorize four spiritual laws. And then we had to put those four spiritual laws into practice. And we would go through the neighborhood sharing the four spiritual laws. We'd go and knock on people's doors. You know, actually, I felt sorry for this neighborhood. Because every year, the second semester of school, they knew that they were going to have their doors knocked on all this community surrounding and then they, I went to one and they said, yeah, and said, it's about that time of year, isn't it? <laughs> and, 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 and so, but I went to this one house and I, we had to fill out sheets. We had to turn them in about what the responses were. The, you know, it was our connection. And so I went to this one house and I was tired. I think we had like 20 of them to do. This was my last one and I knocked on the door. It was Saturday. It was hot. Houston, Texas, you know how that is? Yeah, you know how it is. We're in uh, but we, uh, this guy came to the door. Uh, oh no! So I started in my spiel. Have you ever heard of the four spiritual laws? Hey, how are you? This nice and going out there. Have you ever heard of them? They said the four spiritual laws. Don't know what it is. And then he stumbled around. And I tried to get a conversation with him. Well, it wasn't long before I realized this guy was so drunk. <laughs> and he would be agreeable to anything. Have you ever invited Jesus Christ to Don't know that I have. <laughs> uh, would you like to? Oh, I don't know. It sounds like maybe a good thing. <laughs> and I led him all the way through this, accepting Christ and everything. And I wrote down on here, you know, that I felt like this guy was slightly inebriated. And, and, you know, that's not what the gospel is about. I was almost ashamed that I looked back over there and said, what was I trying to do? Instead of helping this guy and trying to help him out of a stupor, here I am trying to run the gospel, and that's one of the biggest, biggest things that we can do to damage the reputation of the church. It's trying to force ourselves. You know, Jesus didn't force himself on anybody. He just lived it, and he shared it, and he told people, such as Nicodemus, but Nicodemus said, what must I do? To be born again? You must be born again. You must die so that you can live. Church, we are called to evangelize. But I say evangelize with your life. Your life experience of what Jesus has done for you. Has he healed your body? Does he save your soul? Has he empowered you with the Holy Spirit? Has he given you a holy boldness? Has he called you into some special ministry? That is one of the objectives that I have this morning. This morning, someone in this congregation may have a special call from God on their life. And I would challenge you to accept that challenge that God has called you into. I close this morning with this. The depth of a church is determined by its quality of worship and its instruction. The breadth of a church is determined by its commitment to fellowship and evangelism. Just think of the hot wife. The hot wife. What did the preacher preach on today? Go to your restaurants. My preacher preached on the hot wife this morning. That ought to excite them and raise some eyebrows. Hey, listen. Back in 1851, 
there was a great expedition that, was, that took place in London. Actually, it was a precursor to the first, world, uh, the first World's Fair. I think the first World's Fair was in New York, but this one was a couple years earlier in London. And it was called the Great Expedition of the Works of Industry of All Nations. It was a big thing. Queen Victoria opened it up and people flocked to Hyde Park in London to behold what they called the wonderful, mirror, uh, uh, the wonderful marvels of, of inventions. It was a contest of inventions that people from all over the world brought into this great ex exhibition. Now, if you think back in 1851, I know some of you can't think about yesterday, but 1851, some of the modern marvels that was present was steam and the different inventions that was taking place in steam. There were steam plows that were there. There were steam organs. There were steam canyons. And they had all of these new inventions in this great big exhibition hall. And they say that over six million people came to that six month exhibition. Now you keep in mind this is 1851. That's a lot of people. In some of the inventions, some of the things that were present in this exhibition was, was Sam Colt had brought his new revolvers that he had made. The industrial achievements of the world such as Elisha Otis brought his new invented Otis Elevator. Anybody ever rode an Otis Elevator before? I used to work for Otis Elevator with United Technologies. There was a precursor to the modern day printing press that was there. Here's the one that I, as I read a little bit about it, was someone had brought this new invention. A new doctor had come and he brought a uh, new invention of, of uh, how to predict the weather. And it was with leeches. He brought a bunch of le leeches and put them in a tube and see which way they ran. And he could tell by which way the, the leeches, leeches went in this little tube to know what the weather was going to do, supposedly. In this, in this uh, exhibition hall was also the first flash fee, flush, excuse me, the first flush fee based toilets. You want to know where you used to have to pay to go to the toilets? This is where it all started. Well, there was a lot of other things, but a lot of people came to this exhibition hall. It was a contest. Do you know what won the prize for the greatest invention? It was a steam-driven invention that had 7,000 parts to it. All kinds of pulleys and bells and whistles and gears. Gears that meshed with other gears. That hummed in harmony and whirled in perfect synchronization. And to look at this invention was a wow, a sight to behold. Interestingly enough, when they announced what the purpose 
of this invention was, here's what they said. It accomplishes absolutely nothing. All the money spent, all these people, all these inventions coming from all over the world, all these people come, and it actually, the contest was won by something that could not do absolutely anything. Now, when I heard about that and I read about this, I confess that I had this tongue-in-cheek thought. Now, you have to understand this is coming from a pastor. Sounds like a lot of churches to me. All kinds of things are happening, but little is being accomplished. And it's all the more reason to remember our purpose and objectives and to carry those out. The alternate to the church today is a high-powered machine that looks impressive, runs on steam, which is another word for just hot air. I want to invite you this morning, when you think about the church, the beauty of the church, to be reminded we're called to worship, we're called to be instructed, we're called to fellowship, and lastly, we're called to evangelize. Where do we stand in reference to this? Let's stand and pray this morning. Father, Lord, uh, I, I, I was excited about reading the story of the early church in its founding days. Reading through the book of Acts and seeing what took place in the, book, in, in the church. And how you were literally in the church, filled by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, how souls would come to you because of the faithfulness of the church. Lord, I challenge our people here this morning from your word. Now let us be a church that is going about these objectives. Sometimes we've done real good in the first three, but we haven't done very good in evangelism. Because sometimes, Lord, we're afraid to share our faith. We're afraid of persecution. We're afraid of others making fun of us. We're afraid of us sticking out like a sore thumb. But Lord, give us a holy boldness this morning. That we may, Lord, be honored to represent you in all walks of life. And that your life would be seen in us. Lord, bless us this day. Challenge us with this song. Would you join us as we sing, Rise Up, O Church of God. Hey, this is a commitment from you to God's word this morning. Would you sing with us this morning? Rise up, O Church of God.
Let's go forth.